Hello, and welcome back to the Sustainable Brown Girl podcast. This show exists to provide representation for women of color in the environmental space, to highlight their stories, and to educate the masses about how to be more eco-friendly every day. From gardening to thrifting, minimalism to veganism, sustainable business owners to influencers, environmentalists to activists, we are all on a journey to taking better care of our bodies and our planet. I'm your host, Ariel Green. Today's featured sustainable brown girl is Taylor. She's the creator of Sweet Honey Thrift, a secondhand online boutique. Through reselling her thrifted finds, Taylor is helping others quit fast fashion and is diverting textile waste from being dumped on other countries. Thank you so much for joining us today, Taylor. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yay. Yay. So, <laughs> so tell us, how did your sustainable journey begin? Well, um, yeah, I was, I was thinking a lot about this question. And I think, like a lot of us, um, my sustainable journey started when I was just a really young girl. Um, mm -hmm. I came from a lower middle class family and my dad definitely came from a background that was like very low income. And I think there's a lot of like intersections between, you know, like frugality and sustainability. So like yeah. in my house growing up, you know, it was, my dad was always like, really, really strict about taking short showers and turning off the lights. And like, we had, um, you know, I don't know, you'd like cut up t-shirts for rags. And we always like saved all of our Tupperware and had a bunch of things and containers that weren't of the actual thing. <laughs> the containers, yes. had, you know what I mean? Um, so I think right. that sort of just like laid my foundation and just like sort of like drilled those things into me, even though at the time I didn't like see or think of them as as sustainability, you know? Um, exactly. Yeah, but but they are. So having that just sort of like, yeah, it was like a foundation for me. And then as I got older, um, I've always just been a really sort of like sensitive and emotional and passionate person. So like the more that I learned about, you know, the realities of, of just like the world, not even just um, sustainability or in the environment, but just everything I got sort of jaded. And yeah, I definitely went through a phase in high school where I was just like sort of angsty and, but like wanting to, <laughs> wanting to help. And I remember like, I remember there was this distinct time period where I was like, there's, how am I going to choose one thing to like focus on and, and help when like, there's so all these issues that I care about. Um, so yeah, like I stopped eating meat and I started to, you know, try to um, just consume less, have like produce less waste and stuff like that started all in high school. Um, and then, you know, yeah, things just kind of kept snowballing from there. But I would say my, like all of that was not as intentional as my sort of like sustainability journey has been since I started um, the shop. Yeah, I see. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people have started from those like humble beginnings, you know, like you said, when, when we're growing up and our families are like, reuse all this and, you know, take shorter showers. 
most of the time it's not from a place of like caring for the planet. It's more right. of a place from, like you said, being frugal. Right. <laughs> so yeah, so it's interesting to see how, you know, that shifts over time as you learn more about like climate change and, you know, waste and all that. So. Yeah, for sure. Like I remember I used to be so frustrated when I was younger because my house was so dark because we'd never put <laughs> lights. Like my dad yeah. just like hated having on the lights and it would be like only one, like only if there was a person in the room could the light be on. And even then still, yes. like, maybe it's just a lamp in the corner, like not the mm-hmm. overhead light. And I would always mm-hmm. say, it's so dark in here. Uh, you know, like we would all be um, having dinner in the dining room and then like I'd go to the bathroom or something and then I'd come back out and like my family had gone upstairs and all the lights are off. I'm like, I'm still. <laughs> um, and, but yeah, so I was annoyed at that by back then. And then um, more recently, I'm like, that's, that's cool. Thanks, dad. Yes. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so then what led you to start Sweet Honey Thrift? Well, um, I think it was really a, you know, I think starting the shop was very much one of those like fateful moments where just like a lot of moving parts come together and, um, you know, kind of like that annoying, like, oh, just like when you know, you know, or just, you know, it's like that kind of light bulb moment. But I had read once this article and this was like Mm -hmm. a few years ago and I can't remember the article name or who wrote it, but um, it was saying how it's like if you want to be happier and find more happiness and authenticity in your life then one thing you can do is um go back to things that you enjoyed as a child that mm-hmm. you've been doing it when you were younger um because at that point it like you were uninhibited and just sort of like going off truly whatever it was that you wanted to do and when I was younger I was obsessed with clothes and I was like obsessed with shopping and I loved just like putting together outfits and I would, you know, like think about my outfit for school the next day before. And I just like was all into playing dress up from like a very young age. Yeah. Um, so that sort of, uh, that article really like changed my behaviors as a person, not just for the clothes, but like I started thinking about all sorts of things that I like to do as a kid. Um, like I used to always love being outdoors. So like after I read that, I started making it more of a priority to like get outdoors every day and you know, things like that. So that was sort of in the back of my mind. I'm just like, okay, I really like clothing. Clearly I liked it when I was a kid. And maybe if I can incorporate clothes into my life now, I might be more happy. Cause I was, I've always, I had previously always felt really um, not fulfilled by work. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working in education, doing like college counseling. Mm-hmm. It was just not, you know, it never made me feel fulfilled. And yeah. I was really like always seeking that fulfillment. Um, so that was one factor that played into me starting the shop. And then um, I lived abroad for a few years. So I was living in, like, I moved to Southeast Asia and I was in Thailand. And then I moved to China, Shenzhen, China. Mm-hmm. In China for four years, I think. Wow. Yeah. And um, that also played a big role in my sustainability journey because it's just sort of a really like up like up close and personal, you know, look at, I guess, consumerism and just like how much we're consuming and how it's being produced. So anyway, when I was in China, I started working for um, this massive fast fashion retailer. They're called Zappel. 
Um, mm-hmm. yeah, have you heard of them? <laughs> oh yeah. I've bought things from them before. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. That like, yeah. I think being comparable, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Um, and so, yeah, before I used to be, I was always like, I had always gone thrifting when I lived in America, but that was not, um, you know, to be sustainable. That was because I didn't have a lot of money and I wanted cool and unique clothes. Um, and so, but I was also just like a bargain hunter. Like I loved like, so I was a big fast fashion consumer, like forever 21 was my, like my favorite place ever, you know, especially having a sale. And I did a lot of like, um, shopping. So when I, so I started working and doing some modeling and like live stream hosting for Zapple. So they would do like live stream sales and I was hosting Mm -hmm. for them. Um, so I'd go live on their Instagram, which was like really huge platform. I think they had like 5 million followers at the time. Now they probably have much more. Um, and yeah, I would try on the clothes and like talk about them. And then I would, you know, try and sell them at these crazy discounts. And I also got to purchase the clothes at a really, really like basically probably at like the factory rate that they were paying. Yeah. So I was stoked about that as someone at that time who just like, I just loved fast fashion and I had no idea about like this sort of dark underbelly (laughs) of fast fashion. Um, I didn't even know mm-hmm. it was fast fashion. To me, that was just fashion, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, on top of, so I worked for them for like about a year. Um, and on top of, like, they just treated me really, really poorly as an employee, um, mm-hmm. like shockingly so. And um, that's like a whole other story <laughs> or a whole other day. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was like compounded with the fact that I was now able to get all of these clothes like cheaper than I've ever been able to before. And like, just so rapidly. So I would literally like be doing the lives and I would, um, after the live, just be like, okay, I want this one, this one, this one, this one, and like pay $10 and I would get all these clothes. Yeah. Um, And, but you know, I started to realize like some of these clothes, I'm literally trying them on and they're falling apart on my body while I'm like live. So like the straps coming off this dress and I'm still like, you know, selling it like it's the best thing ever or, wow. you know, I'm seeing when I was doing the live, they had, um, like a PowerPoint with like the stuff about the clothes that I was selling and like a picture of the item. And I would look at the picture of the item and I'm like, that doesn't look like this, that looks mm-hmm. like from somebody's Instagram or something, which it, it was right. And mm-hmm. I'm like, this is not, and I'm like, is that what you're using to sell this garment on your website you know and yeah. Like, yeah and I'm like that is not the same thing as this and so I don't know it was just sort of like all of these yeah like the the true the truth of it all started to started to show mm-hmm. and also like when I was I was able to like get all of these clothes and I was using clothing as like a quick you know dopamine rush basically. yeah and, right and that starts to wear off when it's just coming like beyond like it's just so easy and and so cheap and so like so abundant that mm-hmm. sort of like lost its allure to me. And so I was like, um, yeah, a lot of like drama ensued as far as like their treatment of me and, and the working conditions and stuff. And um, so that just sort of like put me off from from fast yeah. And then I, I moved back to America and I had like a lot of I wasn't working and I had some money from my previous job and I had that whole experience and I was finally able to go thrifting again. So I'm like in the thrift stores, but I'm finding all this amazing stuff, but I'm like, I don't want or need this all for myself, but if I don't pick it out, you know, what might happen to it? Maybe, Mm -hmm. I don't know, someone might find it, but they might not. 
And then mm-hmm. at that point, I didn't even really know about, you know, landfills or, or clothing being shipped overseas. But I was just like, I, you know, want to, I, I don't want these clothes to go to waste. That was basically my thought. And my friend had told yeah. me about Depop, um, like a few weeks before. And so, yeah, just all sort of like in that moment, I was like in the dressing room and I had all the clothes and I was like, what am I going to do about this? And it was really just like that kind of like light bulb moment where I was like, you know, what? I'm going to sell these online. Right. So, yeah. It's right. as like a really, it was not, it was just sort of like a spur of the moment, like, you know, light bulb idea. And then after that, I got a lot more like intentional about it and started to take it really seriously. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine what it was like working for Zaffle. Like that sounds really interesting. Yeah, it was <laughs> that experience. I'm, I'm happy that I had the experience because it yeah me a lot and like a lot of things that I probably just would have otherwise not known. And now I like understand how, you know, other people must feel, you know, like from the outside, not knowing that sort of like darker darker side to it so now I try and like you know spread the word (laughs) exactly yeah definitely that's yeah that's so important like since you've had that inside look it's helped you to well obviously start sweet honey thrift and then also you know help other people to realize like fast fashion isn't the best (laughs) you know but um yeah I want to talk about like being a reseller um because you you know you kind of mentioned how if you don't buy this one thing, will someone else find it? Yeah. Um, and you know, a lot of people. I was just doing a live earlier. I don't know if you if you caught it, but like you know, a lot of people say that um, resellers are like gentrifying thrift shopping. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, like, what are your thoughts on that? Do you? How, yeah. How do you feel about that? Mm. Yeah, I think you know. When I first started, I had no, I had no idea about sort of the, like, mentality or, you know, um, controversy about, about resale, you know, like, I really didn't, um, I didn't understand it. And, but the more you get into the, like, community of people who are doing it, the more that you're going to, to learn about it. And so, yeah, yeah, so I definitely, um, as I, like, moved forward with the shop, I started to, you know, just take a look and, you know, I want to make sure that I'm doing everything with like, you know, ethic responsibility. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely complicated, but also I think that, you know, what people really need to understand is there is not by any like shadow of a doubt, a lack of clothes, you know, there's not for sure a lack of clothing of like second. Yeah. Clothing. Like there is abundant, yeah. abundant, abundant, abundant clothing. And, you know, so I think sometimes when I'm, you know, out thrift shopping and my cart is like filled to the brim and I have so much stuff, you know, there's people in the shop who are also customers who are looking at me and they're like, I, I mean, whatever, maybe they're not judging me. I don't want to pass judgment on them. Maybe <laughs> But, you know, uh-huh. I definitely have sensed maybe some, like, looks or definitely, at the very least, curiosity in. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, the people who work at the store, they don't have any problem with it because they know. <laughs> they know how much is, yeah. like, in the back. You know what I mean? Like, the people who, right. who work at the stores, I mean, now, in, like, my community, they're, like, 
my good friends and they love me because I spend so much money there. You know what I mean? And they're like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. They're, they're, they're charities or nonprofits, a lot of them. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, yeah, I think I don't really know why that why that mindset has come to be. But I would say, you know, one thing I think I realize that people don't like is just like the transparency about, you know, I'm buying this thing at the thrift store. And and if you go thrifting, you know, the prices of things at thrift stores, although those are definitely on the rise. And, you know, I'm mm-hmm. selling it online for more. That is mm-hmm. that's just business, right? Like that's just selling. I mean, it's really standard. That's how most businesses operate but that it's just like so clear cut for people you know like you know that i bought this from a thrift store for like five dollars now i'm selling it for forty dollars or whatever like they it, it makes people feel like they're being ripped off or something when it's like yeah swindled exactly when it's like it's really not it's just because yeah you're not used to just like really understanding where where things that you're buying like are coming from i guess and and then there's also you know, the misconception that it's just like easy work, you know, just like, mm. like quick, easy way to just like get paid, which is so wow, nice. I wouldn't think that at all. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah. So I don't really know where that kind of, where the like negative stereotypes are really, I mean, I, I guess I know where they're coming from, but I just don't know why they're so pervasive. Like it's, yeah, there's just, I think. So many people seem to kind of want to have a problem with almost everything. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I can see where some people are coming from because, you know, I guess um, traditionally people who would shop at thrift stores are people who can't typically afford things that are in a normal store, especially before fast fashion really became prevalent. Yeah. But now there's so many ways to get more affordable clothing that, you know, not so many people rely on thrift shopping as much as they did in the past. Yeah. And also, like you said, there is an overabundance of clothing. So you know, one, yeah. Yeah. So much so that there's, you know, clothes being sent to, you know, developing countries because we just can't sell them all here. <laughs> so, so yeah. So I think, you know, what you're doing is definitely helping to divert um, you know, clothing from landfills and whatnot. And then, you know, it's, I also don't see it as being an easy job. Like some people don't want to go to the thrift store and sift through all the things. Like it's, it's, it can be hard unless you really enjoy shopping and doing that. Like it can be very time consuming. So, you know, I see the benefit of resellers for sure. Yeah. And I think, um, I think it's definitely hard and this is like from just my personal experience and then just like I I'm just surmising about about you know humanity but I think it's hard for us to uh conceptualize like when when numbers get like really really big right like when we go Uh like like the millions and the billions it's just like hard for us to to conceptualize that in our brain because it's just so massive and so I think when someone like hears you know like the U.S. sends 20 it's like 22 billion um pounds or tons i forget mm-hmm. of textile waste to like landfills every year mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. that it does it doesn't i feel like the words don't have the impact that like what maybe if you could like see what 22 billion pounds of unwanted like clothing looks like it's it's a seriously lot and i think if people could more understand just how much clothing there is 
than um, like just how much there is. Like there's really no lack. Then I think they would yeah. they feel differently, you know? Yeah. And I think yeah, there's exactly. also like, there's also rules of thumb as far as like, you shouldn't go sourcing in, in low income neighborhoods. You know what sure. I mean? Yeah. So mm -hmm. like that will stop you from um, potentially, you know, taking away from people who need it more than you or, um, you know, also I was talking to my friend about this the other day and she was like, also, who's to say that people who are reselling aren't low income themselves? Hey, right. Exactly. Like actually, yeah, a lot, a lot of us are, I would imagine. Yeah. It's not like it's like, yeah. some, that's another thing. It's like, it's not, yeah, there's some people who are like, who are really killing it and making six figures and, and, um, you know, have like really, uh, I don't know the word, but just scaled up like, um, in massive ways, but most people, it's really a modest, like it's a modest income and it's not like, right. you know, like not every individual reseller is not like thread up or the real, real, you know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, tell me more about how you source your items. Like, do you have a particular style that you're after or, you know, like how often you're shopping? Yeah. Um, well, when I started the shop, I sort because I've always had a, um, you know, a, a unique sense of style or mm -hmm. always been interested in things that are sort of like a little different or that's why I used to love thrift shopping when I was younger, just, um, you know, conversation starting pieces are just like interesting, interesting stuff. Um, and so my first sort of um, idea was to just buy things that you know, I thought were really cool. And I'm like, you know, yeah. this is not necessarily like mainstream, but if I like it, someone else is bound to like it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to like got, get it and sell it and have this little funky shop and hopefully find my little, you know, tribe of people who vibe with my style. And I still do that um, for sure. But I also mm -hmm. started to notice as I started to do it more that like those types of pieces are harder sells. So like they would just sit longer in my shop and it's just like, not as um, sustainable <laughs> to only mm -hmm. shop that way um, as far as sourcing. And so then I, you know, I sell on Depop where there's a lot of um, younger shoppers, uh, like a lot of Gen Z and, you know, they have these like micro trends that are changing, like honestly by the week, which I'm not a huge fan of. Yeah. But, um, I did realize that if I want to like stay relevant and I want to, you know, I mean, this is just my personal thing, but mm -hmm. for me to like really be successful on Depop, I realized that I need to sort of like keep up or just be like abreast of the trends that are popular. I try not to cater into like so much like the, the like really intense micro trend that like, you know, you see this like one style of dress or something and it's like all over the internet, but you know, it's like in a week, it's probably going to be not that exciting. Anytime I've like shopped to those like really, really short micro trends, um, uh -huh. that's also a failure because, you know, you're going to source it and put it up and that's going to take you like a few days. It could, the trend could be over by then. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But I just try and stay up with like more general trends, like seasonal trends, like, okay, these things are yeah. going to probably be in this season. Um, and, you know, I do that by just scouring the internet, like, Mm -hmm. a lot of time on reddit and um you know like youtube and 
stuff like that. Um, but then also I do, I do have like a rule of thought. Everything I sell is still my style, you know, just maybe okay. not the okay. most, the most like out there version of my style. But like, I still have my general rule of thumb is that everything that I sell, I would wear or at least mm-hmm. had to wear. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. And then I, and then I source mostly at thrift stores, but more and more now as like my shop is growing and I guess more people are learning about me. I'm having more people contact me and just um, to sell their clothes for them or just like they're oh, wow. rid of their clothes. So they're giving me like a huge box full of clothes. And um, so that I'm sort of heading or considering heading more in that direction too for sourcing. I source mm-hmm. marketplace, um, you know, any, anywhere I can sort of get my hands on things. My mom's closet, my grandma's closet, my <laughs> <auntie's> closet. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wow. So when you're sourcing from the thrift store, you know, I think another part of where people have a problem with reselling is that they say that, um, it's difficult to find larger sizes in yeah. thrift stores. Yeah. So do you um, thrift a variety of sizes or do you stick to like the smaller sizes that are more prevalent? Well, I like actually, you know, before, when I started the shop, I knew that size inclusivity um, in shopping is sort of a like hot issue that mm-hmm. is, I, I just wanted to make sure that I was like, you know, being respectful and like inclusive, um, as inclusive as I could. So I initially wanted to like carry all sizes and, um, you know, especially plus sizes. But then I actually started to follow some plus size um, sustainable fashion influencers and um, sustainable influencers. And they actually, you know, recommend you not source if you're not plus size yourself or have yeah. a like solid plus size customer base that you know exists, then you shouldn't be sourcing plus size items because there are less of them. So I don't, mm-hmm. um, I don't do like plus size, but I definitely do carry like extra small to extra large, but that's just because also I think sizing is kind of, it can be sort of arbitrary too Yeah, these days when like, there's a lot of stuff that I wear that is the tag size large. I mean, there's no like, cohesive sizing um yeah that we have so like all brands do it differently and like some vintage stuff doesn't even have a size or you know okay this might be like a shirt on some people but it's a dress on me and either way it's cute so um mm-hmm. I try and you know it's more I guess intuitive like style wise and and that just right. I just source things that are cute and <laughs> that yeah. ends up being pretty size inclusive but I don't carry like um plus sizes Okay. Yeah. That, that makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like we kind of talked about this earlier, but what would you say the role that re what's the role that resellers play in sustainable fashion? I think, I think resellers are like beyond pivotal to sustainable fashion. You know, Um, Mm. the more you get into sustainability, I mean, the more you realize to like, okay, the most sustainable thing I can really do is not, just not buy anything. Just not get right. anything, right? But so I, I have like also grappled with that where I'm like, I'm just, I'm still like selling things to people, but like, whatever. I mean, that's just a personal thing that I have trouble with sometimes. But, um, yeah. you know, I think, yeah, there is, like I said, tons of, of, 
textile waste. It's, it's like a massive issue. And there is also like the thrift stores have too much. They, they like mm-hmm. aren't able to go through all of the inventory that they have um, quickly enough, you know? And so I think people who are do- like me, it's like, it's really crucial because I don't know if you've ever been to like the bins, the Goodwill bins or anything like that. But no, no, uh-uh. those are- I've seen that. I've seen it on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't actually source the bins because I've also seen it on YouTube and it's like <laughs> scary. No, yeah. I, I don't think all the bins are like that, but I think it can be kind of crazy there. Like people uh-huh. ripping things out of each other's hands and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that those are like, kind of like, I think, like a last straw type of place, right? Like all of this stuff that's at the bins was like, has been through a thrift store, like has been donated, has been through a thrift store, has been on the floor for a long time and it still didn't sell. And if it's like, and you go there, you can find like amazing stuff there. You know what I mean? So it's not to say that like all of the good stuff is just getting swooped up from the thrift stores. You know what I mean? Like there is, yeah, I think people really overestimate how much people, uh, how much like we are able to, like actually consume, you know, like I know some people and this might be getting a little off topic, but I know some people who like when they're going thrifting, if they see a bunch of other people in the thrift store, they feel like pressed or they're like, oh no, like everyone's going to like get my stuff. And it's like, no, oh, even wow. still, there's even still enough. Like you will still walk out with tons of stuff, even though there's mm-hmm. 25 other people shopping. Like, yeah. Um, and so I think, yeah, just resellers are just making, you know, the more resellers there are, the more things are going to go off the racks in the thrift stores or wherever resellers source, um, people source all sorts of ways. Um, yeah. now, but at the end of the day, it's just diverting more textile waste from landfills and diverting, you know, unwanted clothing being sent in mass overseas to mm-hmm. the South and to like a lot of countries in Africa where, right. you know, it's the, the amount of, waste that we're sending there is it's not just like it's affecting things like their local commerce in their community you know what i mean it's putting yeah. um you know people who traditional who make traditional clothes it can it's putting them out of business yeah it's putting them Sometimes. out of business yeah. and yeah so like they're getting to like the they're getting like really what was not wanted you know what i mean like it's, yeah and mm-hmm. they, don't, they don't want it. You know what I mean? If it's, right. I, I think that's also a, a misconception too. Like, I don't know. If yeah. I've, I've heard some people's, some people's take on that is like, you know, they probably are like really grateful to have all those clothes or just like, you know, and it's like, no, they don't, they also don't want the like really crappy, you know, thing that nobody here wanted. They want right. What are they going to do with a winter coat in Nigeria? Yes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So, so I think yeah, definitely. Playing a pivotal role in sustainable fashion. Like at the end of the day, it's you know for for every like sustainable or um, you know earth friendly clothing or fashion brand or line, like mm-hmm. no matter what, buying something brand new, even if it's like very sustainably made, is not going to be as sustainable as buying something that already exists. Yeah, exactly. Uh Uh-huh. For sure. So would you would you recommend other people to become resellers? And if so, what tips would you give them? I definitely would. Um, And I think 
that's something that I'm like really passionate about is um, just not being like gatekeepy as far as mm-hmm. like, um, because I know a lot of people are a lot of like I said I, like I know a lot of like people who do resale and they like yeah. get pissed when they see more people in thrift stores you know or mm-hmm. and I don't feel like that at all because because I know how much <laughs> there is like there's enough to go around and even if we were to consume like all of the secondhand clothes there would still be a way where we could all do we could all be fine but anyway that's besides yeah. that. um but I definitely would and I would say um it's a great thing to do you know part-time just like on the, on the side I think if you have that sort of knack for for shopping and you know style that's uh it's it's a great thing to do and you can start by just like going through your own closet you know mm. um and clearing out your own stuff I think that's just like a great place to start that's how you know, I, I started with like a first initial haul of like the thrift store. And then I went through my whole own closet and like the second, um, you know, drop that I ever put on my shop was all like my own clothes. So I think that's a great way to start. Um, and I would say tips, like one of the like biggest things that I've learned and it's such a simple thing Mm -hmm. is just that, and this is going to sound so like simple, but it's just that what you're selling needs to be cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that does sound simple, but I get it. <laughs> it needs to be cute, you know? It's just, yeah. you have to really ask, like, you have to be realistic. Like, even if you might like it or, you know, you think that it's really, really cool or it's a, a really popular brand, like, just because it's a brand does not mean that it's desirable. Does not mean that it's right. desired by other people, so... Um, just like being selective about what you choose. Like don't pick up something just because it's a brand and don't pick up something like, you know, it becomes, it'll become really natural to you after you do it for a while. But just like you really stop and ask yourself, like, is someone going to want this? I mean, mm-hmm. what would multiple people want this, you know, not just one someone. Cause like the odds of finding that one someone is going to want that like kind of weird or like different thing is, yeah. is slim. I still sell, like I do sell, I really like like unique vintage pieces and sort of more out there styles. Mm-hmm. But like, I think my bread and butter is sort of, it's a mix between selling those things and then also like selling things that are just, you know, like more catered towards the mainstream. Um, right. So yeah, just make sure that what you're, what you're getting and what you're selling is, is something that people want. Um, Yeah, that's a huge one. And then I mean, there's like specific things that like as far as like each platform, um, you know, because they all have their own sort of customer base and they all have so like I like, I stopped selling on basically all other platforms except for Depop. um, Mm -hmm. As I just realized that that's like where my, my niche is and where you know, people seem to resonate with my style, but I still will post, um, if I find like some really nice name brand items, I'll post them on Poshmark because I know Poshmark has a user base, like customer base of people who appreciate name brand things. So you have to be sort of like crafty too about what you're selling. Okay. Like maybe you'll sell household goods and appliances and stuff on Mercari and you'll sell like old shoes on Poshmark. Like, I don't know. It's just, um, you can diversify and like find what works for you. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good, that's a good 
like rule of thumb. And then I think also just making sure that you're like any time that I've ever sourced anything that is not sort of like authentic to myself. Like maybe I, mm-hmm. maybe I wavered on it and I was like, oh, I don't know, like, will I be able to sell this or whatever? Like I have always regretted it, you know, mm-hmm. I've always regretted it because the process that it takes to take an item from like, from the thrift store to like being sold, it takes a lot of work. And so if you're not like, you know, if you don't actually like, like the, like it yourself. I mean, this is just for me. I don't know. Everyone does things differently, but for me, like I have to be personally like a little bit invested in the thing in order for it to like feel good to sell. So just make sure you're like staying, staying true to yourself with what you're, with what you're sourcing to. Like you don't want to end up with a bunch of inventory of stuff that you don't personally even like. It's just Mm -hmm. bad vibes. Right. Yeah. Cause then you got to figure out a way to get rid of it. So yeah. you're kind of perpetuating the problem. Yeah. And I really believe in like the energy, like that you're putting into something, like it translates. Yeah. So if you don't like actually like something, you know, when you're like yeah. the description and taking the pictures, it's all going to be off in my opinion. <laughs> yes. Yes. That makes total sense. <laughs> Those are great tips. So hopefully, you know, people who are thinking about starting a, a shop, then, you know, they can consider that and yeah. hopefully be successful. Yeah. 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 So tell everyone where they can find you and your shop online. Okay. So I am on Instagram at sweet honey underscore thrift shop. And I'm posting, um, you know, I post the clothes that I have for sale there. And I also post a lot of like um, educational, I guess, stuff about selling secondhand clothes. And I Mm -hmm. also try and, you know, um, share and post a lot about the sustainable impact of shopping secondhand um, and selling secondhand. So that's cool. And then you can shop my Depop, which is at Sweet Honey Thrift Shop all one word and that's sort of where I'm doing all my all my sales yeah awesome yeah go check it out you have some really cute things on there so (laughs) Mm -hmm. and our last question is what does being a sustainable brown girl mean to you Ah. oh this is a hard question I know right (laughs) it is because it means so many things Um, yeah yeah it requires some deep thought but I think um, you know, I did, I did, I, I gave it some, I gave it a, I gave it a lot of thought and what it came down to for me was like being a sustainable brown girl. It means like joy, like being mm. close, closer and closer to just like joy and like alignment and, you know, authenticity, like the more, um, sustainable that I become, the more joyous I feel. And it's not that like, I, it's not like the process itself is not joyous all the time. Like there's actually Mm -hmm. a lot of really um, painful stuff that you have to reconcile with and a lot that you have to like unlearn. And there's some painful realizations there for sure. And difficult, um, you know, it's difficult to like change. Change is hard period. So there's a lot of difficult changes that need to be made. So it's not that like the whole journey is joyous, but like once when I'm like, I don't know, it's just like, I feel more aligned to like both my, my racial identity and like the earth and and being sustainable. The more that I'm aligned to those two things, the more happier I feel and the just like more 
you know, grounded and yeah, happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I totally get that. Like the, the more that you care about your impact on the planet, sometimes like the closer you can feel to the planet and that kind of gives you joy. Yeah, but, yeah, totally. And like, that's, you know, I think it's, it's definitely a sustainable lifestyle is a lot. I think it's sort of, it's, the way that we were intended to to live for sure i think yes and so the more you're just like closer to the source and closer to like you know like less distraction mm -hmm. we used to consume so much and it was really like a distraction from mm. other things that i had to that i wasn't wanting to like address you know and yes. um now you know i i barely want anything like I, yeah. yeah, like I went shopping with my friend the other day. I mean, I just went out with her cause she had to like run some errands and I, and I went with her. Like I never go like regular shopping. Um, but mm -hmm. you know, I used to absolutely love shopping. Like I used to love going to the mall and I was just like, that was amazing for me. So, um, she had to go to some stores and I was like, sure, I'll go. And I felt like such an, I felt like such an alien in there. I was just like, what? Like, I don't, what is this? Like, I don't want any of this stuff. Like, are right. Right. Yes. Like, wow I don't want any of this stuff that's yeah yeah that's really great <laughs> right yeah yeah definitely it's an amazing shift once you kind of get there and it it's definitely very uh rewarding yeah so. totally I'm like okay I really don't want it nice exactly <laughs> yes <laughs> well thank you so much for joining us Taylor it's been a pleasure talking to you thank you so much for having me it was so much fun Yay. Yeah. And please go follow her on all the things and, you know, just support Taylor however you can. Yeah. I got some cute clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Taylor. Thank you. If you want to keep the conversation going, follow us at Sustainable Brown Girl on Instagram and Facebook. Check out the website at sustainablebrowngirl.com. And send any questions, comments, or topic ideas to podcast at sustainablebrowngirl.com. Be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends about your favorite episode. Donate to Patreon if you can, and be sure to watch the full video interview on YouTube. Until next time, let's continue to make better choices for the health of our bodies and the planet. Thanks for listening.